Welcome in to another episode of European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am joined here with my man Griffin Warner, winner of his best bet last podcast, bringing this pod to six, four, and three. I'm two, two, and two. Didn't have a best bet last weekend, but I did have a pizza bet that didn't quite get there as Brazil annihilated Ghana and they annihilated Tunisia, and they just seemed to be on a on a seemed to be a train I have want. I shouldn't have wanted any part of, but uh, yeah, they knocked me off the tracks pretty good. But hey, there's a reason why I didn't make it a best bet. It was just a pizza bet. I had an inkling, but talking about best bet winners, this man right here, Griffin Warner, 67% cash in them on this podcast. How you doing, my man? How was it? Did you see Romania live? I know you saw a couple of these international world travel as you are. Uh, what did you make of the international break and your experience with it? It was cool. Um, this world traveler is a weary traveler at this point. I'm like still trying to catch up on sleep. I feel like it's going to take me until the World Cup and then everything's going to start at 5 a.m. Central Time. So it's just going to be no sleep till Brooklyn for me for a long time. But, um, you know, it was a really cool trip. So I caught three matches. I did not catch Romania. Uh, I went to uh, the first match was Schalke against Dortmund, which was really cool. And the biggest police presence I've ever seen and uh they i mean it's pretty tough being a road fan they like don't let you have any alcohol like you're in this pen that's like got these big metal barricades you can't get out of it's bizarre but uh it also seems like quite a, a fun time uh and that really leads into kind of the first international match i went to i went to germany against hungary in leipzig germany which leipzig awesome city didn't really have any expectations for it but it was really cool dortmund i feel like you go for a game and leave but uh, Hungary, they they brought it, man. They had like probably 10% of the stadium, if that, and they were loud going the whole time. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, Hungar, yeah, is going to be in my mind forever. <laughs> and they went in and got a crazy flick on uh, that actually kept caught on camera um, on a corner kick for an early 1-0 lead, hung on for dear life, and Germany never really threatened. So that was really cool. Um, and then the last match I went to was in Vienna, Austria. I went to Austria hosting Croatia, which I didn't know this, but Croatia actually had probably 60% of the fans, if not 50, um, because a lot of, I guess, during the Bosnian War, a lot of people moved from Croatia to Austria of all places. And the the applause for Luka Modric was awesome. I expected him to get booed because everyone knew that he's going to be like the best player on the pitch. He was awesome, like outside of the foot passes, perfectly on the break, didn't lead to a goal. But uh, Croatia went up 1-0. It got equalized on a crazy flick-on header, and then they scored two more. And it was it was a great match, great time. Um, really happy I did it. But uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm broke. And for that reason, uh, all of you listeners, you should uh, save some money. Like I wish I did. Use the promo code USA20. Get 20% off any purchases on pregame.com. You get... Some, some good stuff from Mackenzie Rivers or myself um, and plenty of other handicappers on the website. It's good for seven days from this podcast release. Stick with us, uh, but we got plenty of this show left to go. Appreciate you mentioning that. USA 20, coupon code, save yourself some money. USA is 100 to 1 to win the World Cup. You mentioned two teams with slightly better odds. Croatia, 11th favorite, 50 to 1 with Luka Modric, who you mentioned. Kind of reminds me of the appreciation that people used to talk about and the reverence they used to talk about Kaká in the mid-2000s, where everyone, you couldn't say his name without following it with class. That's a classy guy right there. Oh, that touch right there, that pass right there, 
That's class. That's Luka Modric right there. In a nutshell, that man is class. Seems like international fans across the world appreciate it. I know I do. And Germany, the fifth favorite at 10 to 1. You also saw it. Uh, any betting tips? Any, uh, wow, I, I think this team can win the World Cup after watching them for one game. Oh, man. Uh, if, if anything, I'd go the other way. I still don't know how Germany's going to score goals. I mean, they've got a talented team, but that only goes so far when you have big names that can't put the ball in the net. I mean, it was kind of hilarious. They, they, I don't have the possession numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing Germany are probably 70% possession and they did so little with it. It honestly didn't even look like Hungary was going to be threatened for the whole time. Um, they've got a lot of very expensive, highly rated players that are worth a lot of money, but um, I don't see it. And kind of what I talked about on that last uh, European soccer podcast that talked about kind of the world cup and the favorites and those things there's a lot of really really highly rated teams that have very short odds to win the world series excuse me wow, world series baseball podcast just on my mind uh to win the world cup there we go um they just there's where do the goals come from mckenzie I, I just don't see where it comes from a lot of these teams and that makes me feel like i'm gonna be very 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 all in on underdogs in this competition and i feel like that's a great spot that's like exactly where i want to be because none of these 32 teams, besides maybe Australia, are trash. So, um, sorry, watch the Kangaroos win the whole thing. But um, I, I I love the dogs, as you know, as probably everyone does, if they've heard me talk or watch me tweet uh, at the real underscore G Warner if you want to see some dog love. But uh, ultimately, I swear, uh, Germany, I don't know where the goals are coming. And I don't know, like, they don't fire their managers ever. Uh, I don't really see it right now. Yeah, they had Joachim Love for about a decade, and uh, it finally caught up to him. Let's stay right here in Germany. Bundesliga action, Bayern Munich, they usually have the five or six best German players on their squad. They always have the goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer, Lyman before him. They're not doing so hot in the Bundesliga. They're fifth right now. This is a team that has won it 10 straight years, the German domestic league. Talk about guys that can't score goals right now. Thomas Muller, very, very quiet start. One goal in seven games to start his campaign. He's on the German team. Joshua Kimmich, more of a defensive midfielder. He has two goals. Only one player, okay, I guess two players, on Bayern Munich has more than two goals at Sadio Mane and the German Jamal Musaila. And I don't know. I'm looking at the expected goals. They seem to be fine. They seem to be slightly better than they were last year. You look at the names that they have, some of them I just mentioned, as talented as ever, by far the most talented team in Germany. It's only been seven games. They're only fifth. They're not 10th in the table. Uh, the German side, Bayern Munich, are the red, are the uh, flags, are the red sirens blaring for you? Or is this just small sample size? Seven games in the middle of the season, we wouldn't even think about it. Just happens to be the start of the season. Or is there reason for worry in Bayern Munich right now? Uh, so I think that they, I mean, they're replacing an incredible goal scorer in Robert Lewandowski. Um, I think that they fell in love and were trying to court Erling Holland a little bit behind closed doors, but it wasn't so uh, subtle because they weren't re-signing Lewandowski. And I think that's why he left for Barcelona because he didn't feel like they liked him anymore or he felt like he uh, uh, the the husband was looking at younger women or something like that. The babysitters. I don't know. I probably shouldn't make any more <laughs> references like that. But but uh, anyway, I, I feel like it was one of those things where um, it, they knew it was going to be a tough run. I think Sadio Mane has been awesome for them. And, and you can see how great of a player he is, is the impact that he's had 
on Liverpool um, this season. But um, from where I sit with Byron, I, I think all I want, there are no sirens. Maybe the red sirens are because their color's red. No concerns for me really about them right now. I still think there's a huge divide in Germany over the top teams. I mean, I went to the Dortmund match. Um, they struggled with a really poor and financially decrepit Schalke team, their biggest rival. And it looked like it was going to be goalless and would have been my first match I had attended without a goal. Uh, but by, uh, excuse me, Borussia Dortmund ended up scoring late. And I just, I don't know. That, that seems to be their biggest challenger. Um, when those two teams play, it's going to be a really quick six points for Bayern. And if they can do that, that puts them in such a good position to win an 11th consecutive Meisterschale or championship in the German Bundesliga. Um, maybe I've been hurt before too much by going against Bayern, but I am in no rush to fade them. They have a, a good match coming up with Leverkusen uh, on Friday, which is another big spread. The market doesn't seem to be too concerned as their goal and a half favorite over a Champions League team. Um, yes, it's at home, but still. Um, I, I mean, certainly there's some cause for concern. It seems like Augsburg beats Bayern München every season, but uh, ultimately it doesn't seem to matter. And I feel like all we're doing is setting up for that uh, Bayern price to get cheaper and cheaper. And part of me wants to look at that price right now to see what it is for the future, because uh, I feel like the cheapest you can get Bayern, that, that you should fire on that every season because they're just so strong. And you know if they need people in January, they have all the resources to get more bodies. I don't know if I've ever recommended a minus 800 bet. <laughs> That's what they are right now. Bayern Munich, they were, you got to bet 20 to win a dollar to start the season. They start off, you know, with three straight draws, fifth in the table, minus 900. No real big adjustment, still 75, 80, 90% to win it. And it makes sense because you mentioned they lost Lewandowski, maybe for my money, the best player in the world at this moment, or at least the best forward in the world. But Sadio Mane, you know, is in that class. He's a top 10 guy as far as forwards go, and he's proven it uh, so far this season. We've seen him have a lot of success. They dominated Barcelona. And for some reason, even with Lewandowski not there anymore, every time they meet up in the Champions League, it's like 3-0, 4-0. Bayern Munich just gives it to Barcelona for whatever reason that matchup works for them. But no real cause of, of major concern, but it's something to keep track of because it would be you know historic at this point, even if it's a tight race down the end. But I love the metrics because seven games, you know, think about seven plays in an NFL game. Does that tell you anything about who's going to win the game? No, it's just seven data points. Seven out of 38 in this case for Bayern Munich. Not too worried about them. Actually, just 34 match days. So it's a little bit more of an impactful start to the season, though. Bayern, for my for my tracking, I have Bayern uh, at minus 500 on June 20th, minus 600 on July 4th. So, I mean, we're basically pricing Bayern at the same price they were. To, I have a minus 600 right now on Bet Online. So they're basically the same price they were to win the Bundesliga despite this, this start to the year. Because um, they have better players. Because Sadio Mane wasn't there in June, and now he is, and whoever they need, they're going to get. Yeah, and, and you know it helps. But uh, the nice part about the Bundesliga is there's only uh, only 18 teams in it, and surprisingly or sadly, uh, France is moving down from 20 to 18, only promoting two, demoting or, or relegating four in this year. So it's going to be, unfortunately, some. I guess that's what you need to bail out when you uh, when you're. When your television provider goes bankrupt, you got to make some decisions in France, apparently. Well, it has been uh, trying times financially for many institutions, FIFA, UEFA, the Bundesliga not being uh, 
Hold on. Tua has movement in his extremities. Tua's alive. All right, breaking news. Tua's not dead. Took a big hit. Looked like he might be dead. I'm still in the first quarter, so I guess I'm behind that one. <laughs> well, he takes a big hit, and uh, it looks like he might die. But he doesn't. Breaking news. Anyway, you're listening to this on tape delay, so it's not breaking news for you guys. <laughs> anyway, back from the international break, that's what I was getting to. Uh, and lots of money was lost during COVID because fans couldn't be there. But I said, hey, those games don't really count. Let me remove that from my data set and look at every game in the Premier League playing their first game after an international break. Last five years, almost 200 games. Found some interesting analysis. Goal scoring, slightly higher. Not much. Not, I'm not sure if that's statistically significant. But the home field advantage, again, throwing out the COVID year, throwing out the no fan games, the home field advantage when coming back from an international break, last 200 Premier League games, almost twice as impactful, about half a goal, a little less than half a goal, 0.4 goals better for the home field as about twice as much as it usually is. So pretty big sample here. Uh, what do you make of that? Any initial theories why that might be the case? Why home field home, home teams generally do better on a weekend like this one? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. Honestly, Mackenzie, I didn't have the, the data behind it. But if you think about it, um, this international break's a little different because the World Cup's already set. All the teams are in there. So all the players flying from continental Europe to South America, I don't think really happened because most of the friendlies were either in the U.S., or were in, which I guess is still quite a trip. I just made that one and I didn't love it. I'll put it that way. But they, I don't think that people were sitting on the, the runway as long as I was, if their name is Lionel Messi. Um, but all these matches, I mean, there's a lot of travel involved. They're playing sometimes two or even three matches in a short 10-day window, essentially. So um, flying back, getting into your own bed and not having to get on a train or a plane or a bus going somewhere is probably impactful on legs. I mean... It's amazing to me how often soccer players, once the season starts, how often they go, which is part of why I like betting the sport because there's so many opportunities. And I encourage all of our listeners to try to tune into us as much as possible or, or my podcast, Betting the Pitch, because there's so many matches you get bet on. It's like always during the work day. So if you need to pass some time or you just want to tune out in a meeting, I feel like there's a million soccer matches to look at. Um, but I mean, I'm surprised to see the data that, that speaks to that level, but certainly big sample size from what it sounds like. In the Premier League, that's probably the best place to say it because they spend the most on players. They take them from all over the world. And uh, I'm I'm pretty unsurprised by home teams doing well here. And I feel like that's something I, I've been trying to jump on as many home dogs this year as possible. And I feel like it's been uh, reaping some benefits. That's a good point. Probably more so than Spain, Germany, or Italy. England is an international league. Uh, just the you know population dynamics works out that way. Mm. And... I wonder how many teams or how many players go home. I think you'd have to go home after the international break, see your friends and family. It is a break after all, before going on that road game, where if you're just going home and you don't have to get back on a second trip, it might be just that much. That might be the effect that we're seeing. So let's use that knowledge that we got now to handicap some games, big derbies, big rivalries. If you're an American, that's what you call it this weekend in the premier league. Let's start with the Manchester Derby, Manchester city, hosting Manchester United looks like City's a one and a half goal favorite. I'm going to check the database. That might be the biggest favorite they have been in this particular derby. But while I do that, uh, what do you make of this matchup? Do they deserve to be such big favorites over their, you know, blood rivals? Oh man. I mean, it's, it's hard to say 
I mean, that looks like a big number to me, but um, from where I sit, man, I, I've kind of fallen on the wrong side of the Man City train in, in this matchup and, and bet Manchester United thought it looked fairly good. And then things went really bad very quickly, unfortunately. I mean, these two teams used to be really similar in terms of talent, and they're they're just really not at this point. Um, I think I still have kind of been out there as not a huge believer, more of a critic in uh, Eric Tenag, and he's done some work to change that so far. But I'm still not in a camp where I I believe that he's he's talented or he's um, he's someone that I'm afraid of at this point. I got to say, and so. Um, I think from where I sit with Manchester City, I've had actually a pretty good... I was looking at my numbers a little bit over this international break, stuck on planes, only so much you can do in, in Excel. Um, but kind of I had pretty good numbers betting against Manchester City in my lifetime so far. And, and I feel good about that, especially because they are a really scary team to bet against. But sometimes they're inflated. Um, the one and a half number seems monstrous for this rivalry, but... Ultimately, it's only really protects you on a single goal loss. And if if Man U doesn't score first and Manchester United can't score first and open the scoring, you're really holding on for dear life at 1-0 Man City. And as both you and I found out, Crystal Palace up 2-0 uh, at halftime still wasn't good enough to hang on to a plus two. Um, it certainly sounds a little weird that uh, Crystal Palace would be a two-goal underdog and, and Manchester United would be only be one and a half, but... I mean, these it's it's not that big of a price when you think about how far much higher can it go at plus two. Certainly, that would sound like a big number because there'd be a lot of a push opportunity with that number. But um, one and a quarter to one and a half doesn't make a huge difference to me. And, and I just don't really believe in Manchester United is my my long winded answer. Sure. I, I, I have uh, similar qualms about Manchester United, uh, but. You know, this is a fundamentally different thing than we usually see. So I checked it, and one other time, December 2019, you know, months before the COVID event changed everything, right before that, if you remember that moment in time, they were a one-and-a-half goal favorite with no VIG flat as it is now. Before that, you know, they've been close to that, but not quite this big of a favorite. So that – I know Manchester United's down, Manchester City's up directionally. I agree with that. But I have to ask myself, is United worse – relative to city than they've ever been before and maybe two weeks into the season i would say that but it's close but i i just can't get myself to say that you know definitively and because the home court doesn't really help them because united's not taking an extra flight to get over to uh the etihad uh doesn't really seem like a factor so i lean to the dog but just the slightest of lanes only almost on principle i lean to the dog but uh won't be taking any of my money uh, let's stay to another local derby, the North London derby. And I, I was asking you about this this morning. I, I had a little bit of interest in Arsenal. I'm not going to lie, hosting Tottenham, but um, the numbers don't support it. They're a half goal favorite, and it really should be close, much closer to pick them. Uh, would you agree with that? And uh, do you see any uh, ways to attack this game? Well, I mean, let's flush it out, man. I I gotta say, um, I've not done well in this derby. I've been backing. Road dogs usually, and I feel like it has not really gone in my direction. I got to say, there's a lot on the line here in this matchup. Certainly, Derby stuff is is big, but also um, there's quite a revenge factor considering how Arsenal were really sitting in the Champions League position all of last season. It felt like and got t- pipped right at the end by Tottenham, who slid in, uh, 
slid him like Collinsworth style next to Al Michaels. Um, slid in, took that spot, took all that cash, really built up their side. I don't know that it really impacted Arsenal's future planning because they're still a pretty young team that was trying to be and stay young. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of a it's an interesting matchup because I think the strategies are are bizarre. Um, Arsenal and Mikel Arteta have basically been a, a mini Manchester City uh, right. ever since Mikel Arteta left Pep Guardiola and Pep would never stop like saying how great of a manager he was. I'm not <laughs> sure his motivations for that, but um, maybe because they're good friends or maybe because he thought he knew exactly how he thought and he could beat him. Blah, blah, exactly. Blah. Maybe he wants him right where he is in North London. Yeah, maybe. Um, I would think though, you'd want someone who's completely incapable because you never know like and i feel like endorsing someone who's actually capable mm. will not be the greatest thing whether friend or not but i don't know i'm not sure either go ahead uh so where i sit with this one and, and just the strategy and kind of what the, these teams here want to do um arsenal they want to control the ball and they want to use their speed their their young legs they're 18 19 20 year olds i think they played a 15 year old in the last match um but they they've got a lot of ability, a lot of talent. I do worry about their defense, the Arsenal defense, because I feel like they've gotten off to a great start this season, haven't really been tested yet. I feel like a really, really easy schedule has been part of why they're topping the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas Tottenham, on the other hand, they want nothing to do with the ball. They want to counterattack you, use as much pace as possible. Um, and we saw Youngman Sun get benched essentially not start for the first time this year and came off the bench and what he do got a hat trick um whether that was deserved all that sort of stuff you could certainly argue but um that was pretty wild to me and i i gotta say from where i sit um tottenham getting half of a goal tons of juice right now on that so maybe it closes a quarter which i think essentially speaks to uh, uh even teams on a neutral field so uh give arsenal that that quarter goal favorite um, speaking also from your stats that you that you pulled for after the international break, I think that matters because there's a lot of international players on both of these teams. Um, the nice part, it's not too far of a, a trek from North London to North London. Probably could take the tube um, if, it wasn't, uh, if there wasn't a security issue with that. Um, but I, I like the idea of Tottenham um, sitting back, trying to defend and use their counterattacking ability against an Arsenal defense that I think is a little bit untested, unproven. I think there are a lot of mistakes in their goalkeeper Ramsdale. I think there's a lot of mistakes in, um, I mean, Gabriel, I feel like he's been there long enough and, and really hasn't proven much to me. I, I do like William Saliba a lot. Uh, and I do like a lot of what Arsenal are doing um, at this half of goal number though. I'm not sure it sticks around at, at kickoff time in the wee hours of Saturday morning here in the U S but um, from where I sit, I love the idea of Tottenham. I just really hope David Sanchez is not playing for Tottenham because he was woefully bad in that last matchup. And I know Jose Mourinho, every time he faces Tottenham, he attacks him because he coached him and thought he was trash. I tend to agree with you. It's dog or pass for me. Um, you mentioned these are pretty much even teams. I don't see how you can make an argument that Arsenal's much better. Coming into the season, Tottenham had much shorter odds. Uh, they signed. They had a better uh, market value, if you want to use that, just how much each player is worth to the market. That assessment, they were just better. So the fact that Arsenal's one point ahead of them in the table, you mentioned strength of schedule, I just can't get there. Uh, 538 global soccer rankings, I told you I made a tool uh, using their global soccer rankings, making some adjustments, home field, when does uh, 
If it's a higher total, it should be a bigger favorite, things like that. But it's a basic model. It's not too complicated. And it says that Arsenal should be about 0.1 here. They should be a slight, the slightest of favorites to a probably on paper superior Tottenham team. So the fact that it's a half goal, maybe they're just the more popular squad uh, in the betting world. You know, they're a bigger name. Or maybe it's a home for, home court advantage thing. There's some other fundamental reason that the market uh, is assessing. Either way, it's Tottenham or pass for me, but uh, it's going to end up being a pass because I do like a possession style. It's just my uh, it's my preference. I like City and Arteta and what they're doing rather than uh, the very scripted, organized, which is also often very effective counterattacking style that Tottenham is, is damn near perfected. And we talked about this team with a lot of new signings coming in after the summer. Started off slow, had that game with Chelsea 2-2 where they really should have lost. Okay, since then, 6-2 last time out against Leicester. Uh, that might be the team that they are. They might. I mean, we talked about them as a Premier League contender. This will be the game to prove it. All right, those are two games that we have uh, given you some opinions on. We are going to get to games we have a little bit stronger opinions on. That means our best bets coming up. But before that, let me save you a little bit of money. Griffin, nice enough to mention at the beginning of the pod, USA20. That's the coupon code. Go to pregame.com, add that to your shopping cart, and best handicappers in the world. I kid you not, the best handicappers in the world documented are on this site, pregame.com. You can look at all the history, all the units. Steve Fezzik, shout out, plus 97 units year to date. I thought I was having a good year. I, I am having a good year on paper, but plus 97 units, that's crazy. Give them props for that. And uh, yeah, take advantage. There's going to be more plus units across the board in different handicappers. Go to pregame.com. Help us out. Fans of the European Soccer Pod, use the code USA20. That's 20% off anything at pregame.com. Just throw that in your shopping cart, pregame.com, USA20. Twenty is the coupon code. All right. Well, uh, you are another winner in your best bet. You won with Romania plus a quarter goal in our last bet in our last best bet segment, our last podcast. I'll let you get the honors again. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Let's make it two on the trot. What do you got for us this weekend? Thank you. I will take the uh, the tea box, and, and I'm going to stay in England. I'm going to stay with your uh, stat that I actually was thinking about this matchup even before you came at me with the gold that you dug up. Uh, I'm going to bet Fulham plus one quarter at home against Newcastle. Um, I was a little bit skeptical, I will admit, of the manager and Fulham and their intensity and their desire to try to go out and win matches because it worked for them really well in the championship, but the Premier League, the top division, is a very different league. And they have come in and played and performed really well, including a comeback victory last time out against Nottingham Forest. I don't know that a lot carries over from two weeks ago um, and when an international break happens, all that sort of stuff. But from where I sit, I got to say, uh, I've been really impressed by Fulham. I feel like they have the talent to really caused some problems to a Newcastle side that I think is very overrated. Um, they have done a lot ever since the Saudi Arabian takeover um, and the sports washing of that uh, pretty scary um, 
leadership, but I guess this isn't a politics podcast, so I'll keep going. But Newcastle, they, they got a lot of credit recently. I mean, even as a one and a quarter goal favorite to Bournemouth last weekend, I um, was happy to be on the other side of them in that one. I just, I don't see where the goals come from for Newcastle. Callum Wilson's been injured a while. Maybe he comes back here. I just don't see him flying in his return. If he even does return, I haven't seen any rumors of that just yet. Um, but I think Newcastle are a solid defense. So this might be a low scoring game, uh, but I like the home side. I feel like Fulham can win this match and they're a home dog getting a quarter crowd should be lit. And uh, you know, coming back from international break, these teams are a, uh, 0.4 goals better, uh, which is about double the home field advantage. So I'll take that quarter on Fulham on Saturday morning. Beginning of the season, we talked about Fulham. It seemed like they were, you know, built for the championship. They had a lot of offensive firepower for the championship. But hey, they're six in the table. It's been seven games. It's been a fifth, you know, a little bit less of the season. And Mitrovic, I asked you point blank, guy scored 40 goals last year, over under 12 and a half. You confidently said the under. He's at six. Not saying you're wrong. I'm saying he started off pretty hot. Uh, I'll give you a chance over under 15 and a half for Mitrovic. Full season, Premier League only. What do you think? Jeez, I mean, way to way to clown me on, on our own podcast. You know, I, I deserve it. I'll take it. I actually was hoping I said over when you said that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the tape don't lie, as they say. Um, you know, I feel like, depending on how Serbia does in the world cup, cause he's an important, essential, most important guy, part of that side. And I feel like they're in a tough group. I mean, all the world cup groups are tough, but uh, he's got some ability and he's on penalties, which is a really important part. So it's hard to under hard to say under when he's on penalties. I didn't, I guess I forgot about that. Misremembered when it all happened way back when, um, Ah, man. Now we jumped it to 15 and a half. I'm going to stay stubborn and say under. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I'm not sure he's going to get to 12 and a half. I mean, that's just the way these things go. Like, Holland's on pace to set the Premier League record by 10 goals. Is he going to get there? I, I don't think so. But uh, I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Bayern Munich. You said something interesting. You said behind the scenes, not really in the media, not really top of the ledger. But Bayern Munich was very much interested in getting Erling Haaland. Now, the reason why that's interesting to me is because I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about how Man City cleared the goal-scoring C, separated the C. No goal scorers were allowed to stay in Man City the last couple of years in preparation of bringing in their talisman number nine, thinking everything's going to funnel through him. So you got rid of Sergio Aguero, or he left, whatever. You got rid of Raheem Sterling, or he left, whatever. And now it's a bunch of attacking midfielders, and it's Holland. You watch Fulham play, it's kind of similar, where it's a bunch of midfielders, and it's their it's their target man, Alexander Mitrovic. So will he get to 15? I don't know. I don't think Fulham, I mean, what they're on pace to score, yeah, pretty much two goals a game. That's not going to happen either. They're going to slow down. He's going to slow down. But not this weekend, because they're going to win and cash our best bet for us and prove our, our record. All right, without further ado, I'll get to my best bet. It's going to stay on theme. We're going to pick another home team, and we're going to stick in the Premier League with another home team. I'm going to take Crystal Palace, getting a half goal, even money, so it's slightly better than that, or slightly more, uh, you can get a, a three-quarters of a goal, it's in that range, you know, between half goal and three-quarters of a goal. Crystal Palace hosting Chelsea. Now, this is going to be the very first time that Graham Potter in the Premier League takes hold of the Chelsea realm, uh, of the che- takes helm of Chelsea. I talked about Crystal Palace 
and how Patrick Vieira started, well, he lost his very first match, 3-0, to Chelsea. Since then, 11 games against top six teams. He's covered the spread seven times. He generally understands, because he played it, he was at that level, how the best teams want to operate and press their advantages against an inferior team, which is what is what his team is, an inferior team. However, we were talking about this off air. Last season, they were a below average team, Crystal Palace was on the road, and they were amazingly above average at home. Arguably the best home crowd advantage in the league. Red hot, they attack you from the opening tip or the opening kick. And I, that's why I expect coming back from the international break, whatever extra benefit you get from being at home, I expect to matter in this matchup uh, against a team that's kind of sixes and sevens right now. They fired their manager, you know, one of the more respected managers in Europe. They brought in somebody. Conte hasn't been there. I'll give some numbers on what, what he's meant to the club in a second. But I just think they're sixes and sevens. They're fading. Going into a raucous environment like Crystal Palace in a spot where we know historically teams do better when they're at home, that all leads to me to like Crystal Palace plus a half a goal. My initial instinct to go against Chelsea came from this numbers I've seen on Conte, or I actually looked them up myself. I created these numbers. But with Conte, last three seasons in the Premier League, 33 wins, nine losses, 19 draws. That's plus one goal a game. Without Conte, eight wins, eight draws, plus 0.3 goals a game. So three times more effective on a goal goal differential basis with Conte in the lineup. Nicola Conte, yes, he returned to training camp or training this week. I don't expect him necessarily to suit up right away. And if he does, how much, how effective can he be with a brand new coach with a month and a half off without training? Training is, you know, three days in, and now he's got to be that 12th man that plays two positions. I don't see it. I think maybe he'll try to do that, or maybe they won't even let him. I wouldn't be surprised if they sat him for this game. But it seems like it all just stacks up for me. Crystal Palace plus a half goal. Take advantage of this home trend that we've uncovered. And uh, yeah, that's my best bet. Any thoughts, sir, Griffin? Any thoughts on Crystal Palace plus a half goal? Well, you say all that and Chelsea also have to win. Um, And like, I feel like a draw is a decent result for Chelsea there. I mean, they'll probably be disappointed by it. But ultimately, I think Crystal Palace can win that matchup. I think from watching them last year, the incredible performances at home which pushed me into backing them a lot on the road where you said they're very uh underwhelming unfortunately but uh they're a dangerous home team they've got a big crowd behind them they start celebrating from like as if they're winning the match from from kickoff as you mentioned i'm i'm that was on my list uh i didn't pick it but it was close to to making the cut so i'm happy to hear on it because i I like it too and will probably be my card uh, on saturday Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And yes, Crystal Palace fans, cheer that win into reality. I'll settle with a draw because I get to cash the ticket anyway. But cheer that win into reality. Crystal Palace, upset win over Chelsea. I'll be rooting for it. All right. That is our best bets from my man Griffin Warner. I am Mackenzie Rivers. This has been the European Soccer Betting Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week.